Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Welcome back to the Emerald Office. Today I am joined by Mark Bowers. Good morning, Mark. Howdy, howdy. Hello, everyone. Uh, so if you could just give everybody the, the short, sweet um, introduction to who you are and what you do and introduce yourself. Gosh, we didn't specify what short is, and since I know that time is one of the things we're going to be addressing today, that may have been a huge mistake on your part <laughs> for hours, and already have. So um, a little bit about myself, uh, kind of working backwards, uh, I am currently the founder and executive director of the Professional Development Consortium of Hampton Roads. Um, this uh, nonprofit organization is completely focused on helping the leaders of small membership associations like professional societies or alumni groups or civic leagues. Um, it's all about helping those leaders lead smarter, not harder. Um, prior to that, or maybe a little bit in parallel with that, I do some consulting elsewhere in the nonprofit uh, sector, uh, helping uh, mission-focused organizations um, with like the unsexy part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unsexy the part nobody really wants to do. Right. Nobody really wants to do board development. Nobody really wants to measure impact. Nobody really wants to test their logic model. So I'll go and help them do that and then get the heck out of their way. Uh, prior to that, I was a beltway bandit uh, for about mm. 10 years. And for those of you who are not familiar with how the uh, Washington, D.C. arena works, um, that means I basically took taxpayer dollars and converted them into PowerPoint slides for the best part of 10 years or managed those who were doing so. That is a really uh, good way to explain Washington, D.C. Yeah, it sure is. I, I, I was <laughs> very happy when I stumbled across that once in a meeting and, 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 and it fell out of my mouth. So I don't. So I'm yeah, so you own that. that. Yeah, right. tax dollars yeah. to PowerPoint slides. Right. Uh, prior to that, um, you know, maybe slightly more cocktail party material was uh, 20 years, 11 days and four hours in the United States Navy submarine force as an officer. Um, so, you know, that was pretty interesting. And I, you know, sometimes I look back at those 20 years as the most fun three years of my life. You, know, you can do the math. Um, so, so interesting. So was story. it the first three years that were fun or the last three years that were fun? Yeah, it was probably the actual, it's probably a little bit more than three years. It was actually the time at sea. The rest of the stuff was just like filling. Ah, yes. Right. So, 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 <laughs> so, you know, poking holes in the ocean, 800 feet below the surface. You know, that's, that's kind of neat stuff. That's cool. And it helps you actually reset. And this is something I discovered later in life. Um, it really helps me, you know, understand what's a crisis and what's sure. Not. Your right. frame of reference for emergency right. is so much more realistic than right. the sort of average cushy American life understanding of it. That's right. Oh, I can't believe that person didn't turn left when they had the light. Um, that doesn't necessarily bother me as much as water coming into the people tank, you know, six, yeah. seven, eight hundred feet below the... Yeah, the you get a little less worried about being five minutes late to lunch. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm not um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then before that was, you know, whatever we do before our first real job. So Yes, wonderful. Well, what I did before my first real job also involved the Beltway. Fun fact about me, I learned how to drive on the DC Beltway. Oh my gosh. The second time I drove a car was on 95. So uh, if you want to talk about nerves of steel, go talk to 17-year-old Elizabeth. <laughs> that's, that's the deep end of the pool. for. That's me. the deep end. My parents would definitely throw them into the deep end. I mean, with, you know, they're going to, they weren't going to let us drown, but <laughs> all right. We are not here to talk about um, tax dollars, PowerPoint slides. You've already alluded to our very exciting topic for today, which is time management, which everybody wants. It's the big buzzword. We all live in this understanding that if we just managed our time better, we'd get to do everything that we want to do. And I would love to get your two cents on this. Yeah, so I, I, you're absolutely right. You know, Elizabeth, uh, you know, time management is a very popular subject. It's, you know, um, you know, outside of the porn industry is probably one of the most um, high, highly searched Google phrases. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would imagine. Um, in, you know, my um, in, in my time, so to speak, you know, here on Earth, I've come to firmly believe that time management is bullshit. Um, 
and uh, we could probably end the podcast here, but I would imagine that there's a little bit more to explore with that. Particularly because there's an entire industry, even if you just look at time management books, like there are lots of people who have made their livelihood on the sort of hypothesis that time management is not bullshit. Right. But I'm, I'm almost inclined to believe you, uh, but you're going to have to back it up. I'm good with almost. That, that's, that's pretty good. Um, so so there's um, th- three concepts maybe, you know, and just kind of share and talk about um, or, you know, at least talk to. Yeah. So um, so first off, there are a couple of concepts um, I'd like to mention. Um, and uh, feel free to jot these down or read them in the notes or whatever. Uh, first off, thermodynamics is what manages time. You, you don't. Okay. okay, you're going to have to break that one down for me. Thermodynamics has not been in my everyday vernacular for a couple years, we'll say. Yeah, fair enough. Thermodynamics manages is what manages time. So the some time or the passage of time, um, you know, started with, and if you believe in the Big Bang Theory, that's mm-hmm. when it started. If you believe in other theories, well, that's when it started too. Um, so, and... The, you know, the, the time and everything else did not exist, you know, prior to the universe's creation or this particular universe's oh, creation. Sure. So um, the reason that time exists is, is, is simply, simply, complexly, um, which is not a word, that the universe exists. The passage of time comes from the fact that the universe is in motion. We have this concept of uh, the passage of time on a daily basis that comes from the fact that the Earth is spinning on its axis. We have the concept of months going by because we feel temperature changes, you know, and that's due to the tilt of our axis, or we observe the moon going around us roughly 28 days, um, 28 of those things that we've decided to call days. The passage of years, you know, as as we you know transit through the sun, um, you know, and then you move on and move on, you know, looking at other ways of looking at time, but it really comes from the whatever set of thermodynamic dynamic laws were set in motion by the creation of the universe, and there's absolutely not a damn thing we can do about it. So. This is a really interesting way of looking at time. And we're kind of getting into sort of a philosophy or a, I'm trying to mix the words philosophy and physics. And I, nerd, is is nerd (laughs) anymore? What I'm actually thinking about is my future brother-in-law is, he exists at the, the intersection of philosophy and physics. Um, This is a very interesting view of time because on the occasions that I have argued against this theory of time management, um, in particular, I I have a very different way of talking about productivity and than, than is sort of the party line on it, uh, which I'm sure I'll link the that conversation somewhere below. But I generally go with the argument that time is entirely and completely made up and relative and not actually linked to anything. And so the way that you're talking about it as very much, I would argue you're not talking about time so much as the perception of time. Um, you know, days passing, years passing, that is how we perceive time to be moving. Um, that is very interesting to me. Carry so, on. So, so yeah, so, so I can, I can jump into, you know, you know, a little bit about that with this, with this next concept, you know, that's, that's kind of tied to that. Um, so, yeah, so, so we talked about thermodynamics is what manages time. There's nothing you can do about that, right? You can't manage um, what time the sun comes up you know, over the horizon, you can't manage, you know, you can't manage where it comes up from, you know, so why are we trying to manage any aspect of that? But one thing that we do in attempts, and I've kind of picked on that already, is that societies, or our, even our global society, um, we manage time scales, all right? So we're getting a little bit closer in here. So you know, again, I said that there is now, I mentioned before, there's some physical relationship, you know, astrodynamics right, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but what we assign to them to, to, to come up with kind of a, a universally accepted um, 
way of looking at the passage of time is it's all it's all made up and completely arbitrary. Right. The so um, time's so made up it, and the points don't matter. <laughs> Thank you, Drew Carey, um, <laughs> and, and and predecessors. Uh, so. Uh, so, so, so by example of this, and you know, just kind of doing a little more. So, so we talked about some thermodynamics and astrophysics nerd. Now let's let's do a little his, um, uh, socio history nerdism here. <laughs> so the original, and I use that in air quotes that I'm signing, but nobody can see. Uh, the original Roman calendar came into being about you know. If, if, you know, in, in our current terms, it came about in around 700 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a month in there that showed up every now and then called intercalaris, or intercalaris, yeah, intercalaris, mm-hmm. also known as Mercedonius, right? It's more cocktail party material. Uh-huh. And it Is showed this up- the, oh crap, we need another month month? Is that what I'm hearing? It's- Exactly. It's the, oh, crap, we need another month. We're kind of slipping here. But, you know, some, let's make this one 10 days or make it 11. And it, it was interesting that, you know, the, um, you know, the various emperors of, of Rome, you know, at that time would also use it for political advantage. They say, mm. you know, something, I want to keep somebody in office, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for another week, they, they need to get some... They need to get some of their stuff done. So I'm going to give them another 10 days. We're just going to make the year 10 days longer by stuffing in this arbitrary month and <laughs> reality be done. That is but such, such a politician thing to do. Oh, right, right, right. So, and that kind of, you know, so, so that kind of kept going. Um, That's funny. But, Do you know what it reminds me of? And you've, you've showed your nerddom. So here's mine. Um, <laughs> are you familiar with J.R.R. Tolkien's Hobbit calendar? Uh, up to but not including calendar (laughs) yeah you're like Tolkien got it the Hobbit got it um Hobbits have a calendar somewhat similar to sort of the modern real world calendar um but instead of doing like leap day or this inter intercaloris intercalor whatever the calorous intercalorous in inter as in in between calorous as in calendar intercalorous um they d- have a similar concept but they're like free days i think it's i don't know exactly what it is some nerd in the comments can educate us further but they basically have like a couple extra days every couple years that they have to throw in to make their calendar work and they use it to party sure. which I think that's what we should do on leap day. Nobody should ever have to work on leap day. I personally think we should only work on leap day and party the rest of the time. But uh, there are scholars <laughs> who will disagree with the effectiveness of that. Okay, so yeah. Roman calendar. Right. So Roman calendar, and that kind of, uh, you know, around 46 um, BC turns into the Julian calendar, which is looks a lot like the mm-hmm. Gregorian calendar that we're, we, we currently, or most of us, currently used so like so around 46 bc um you know julian calendar is established so this is what it looks like um and it's much more fixed it's much more uh regular in fact it looks looked just like ours um it had leap days every four years um and you know over time so to speak um (laughs) it turns out that a leap day every four years was just a little too much and the calendar got out of sync with the harvest. So there's this great reset in 1582 um, to the Gregorian calendar. We knocked off like uh, peeled off 11 days and moved backwards or forwards, um, you know, whatever. Uh, but basically said, now nah, we're, we're, we're 11 days ahead of where we're supposed to be by the, by the sun. So we're going to take these days off. We're going to back set. And then we, arbitrarily but for convenience said okay still leap day every four years except if it's divisible the year is divisible by 100 but not 400 so 1900 for us was not a leap year 2000 was a leap year our next zero zero ending leap year will not be until 2400 um nerd alert wait i did not know this there you go i okay carry on so 
There are certain, <laughs> I didn't know there were years exempt from leap year. Oh yeah. And even that's not, so, so that's, so that now the Gregorian calendar with that structure is more accurate than the Julian calendar, um, but it's not quite, Quite right. So what we, again, as a society, and it's kind of, you know, it all starts at the U.S. Naval Observatory, is every now and then we insert a leap second into the year. So it aligns this universal time constant. That, really? That, that, yes. Our computers and stuff are, you know, in networks. Um, are you also guys waiting. don't know, but my jaw is on the floor. It is. It, it's, I, I don't know how you're able to talk. Um, so yeah, so there's this universal, you know, uh, you know, time standards UTC um, that actually dictates that that really controls how everything talks to each other, and, mm-hmm. you know, time based thing. And then we also have the atomic clocks, you know. So when you go somewhere and see the you know the thing ticking down or whatever, um, one of those is dependent on um, just simple counting. One of them, the atomic one, that says. Oh, we take some molecule and see what it's half or uh, some half life you know, and all half life and blah 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 and all, all this kind of craziness. So the last time um, we inserted a leap second to get them in alignment was um, uh, 2016. So about about six years ago. So again, it's a it's it's an arbitrary thing. It's like, hey, we're going to make our clocks you know one second different across the globe. Um, but for our convenience. So, but still, we're not managing time there. We are managing time scales. We're managing our perception of it for our convenience. And we're doing it as a nearly global society, you know, to keep things in alignment. And then even at, you know, a much closer scale, much more recent, you know, event. So on March 11th, 2022, U.S. Senate uh, voted nearly unanimously. It's political Which is shocking. Time, right. To uh, make daylight saving time permanent in, in the United States, and that's you know maybe been driven by they're all grumpy because you know that was like three days after after the time change, right? So, uh, but again, you know, some kind of BS arbitrary thing to manage our time scales. It's not BS. It's it's, it's for you know presumably a rational purpose. I read an article that said it was not that rational and that we should be staying on not daylight savings time because it's closer to the human circadian rhythm. But that is neither here nor there because they finally managed to make a decision about it. We should just not complain because it's finally going away. Although I will be the first to say I'm mildly furious because I only put up with daylight savings time because I knew if I gave up an hour... In the spring, I was going to get it back in the fall. But guys, we're just never going to get that hour back now. No, you're not going to get it back. And, you know, sadly, even before, you know, you take it away in the fall and you get it back, you don't even get it back with interest. So Yeah, no interest. What is that? Right? Yeah. Unless, Only the government can do that. Yeah, who are they? Who are these people? How would they get into office? So, I, I <laughs> we've talked about sort of the cosmic concept of right. time. We've talked about time scales. Right. So... So if thermodynamics is doing all the time management for us and the societal structures in which we participate are managing really how we measure time. That's really Down to the millisecond that we are gathering up in order to give it back to ourselves. Right. What does that leave riffraff like you and me you know, as individuals? What, what is it that we're managing? Right. Right. So, I mean, so from the, from the department of stunningly obvious – the only thing we can manage is priorities. Right. right. What we do with our time. Right. That is the personal decision, you know, swayed by, you know, swayed by others, swayed by our own psyche and our own id, you know, environmental constraints. Uh, you know, one of my, you know, favorite little quotes of, you know, undetermined origin, origin is, when, do, when are decisions made? What do you think, Elizabeth? When do you, when do you think we make decisions? Well, I try to make all of mine on my New Year's Eve retreat where I plan out my whole year. But uh, if we're talking day-to-day decisions, I would say I make decisions about a minute and a half after I start acting. Right. So that's that's unusual. I think the vast majority of us uh, make decisions when we run out of time or money. <laughs> yeah. No, that that explanation checks out as well. Right. Where right? we make the uh, – that's when I final decisions made. But anyways, Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, but we're really managing our priorities, as you said, you know, mm-hmm. what we, 
do with our time, just knowing that the allocation of time is, you know, based on our current scale, is it's 24-7, do with them what you want. At some point, you might want to sleep. You might have to sleep, you might fall asleep. You know, there may be a demand from the baby. There may be a demand from mom. There may be a demand from the bank. There's all these other factors that roll mm-hmm. into it. So it's like, how do you respond to them? Um, you know, and what is it that you can use to say that I'm making the most sensible, whatever that means to you, I'm making the most sensible use of the time, you know, allocated to me or, or remaining to mm-hmm. me if you're, if you're, you know, looking forward. So, so I, so that's, you know, kind of the thrust of this is if we abandon this concept of, of, of trying to manage time in favor of understanding um, how we manage and execute on our priorities, that's probably much more useful. You know, and kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, uh, you know, what we were both saying earlier is like there's, there's, you know, tons of stuff about time management and somewhere is buried underneath that it really is about priority management mm-hmm. and what tools and what do you hold in your mind to do that. So, and, and that's Is this a point? Is this about, you know, should we just stop calling it time management because it's a misleading nomer? Um, I try and avoid it, but just, you know, again, you know, there's a big nerd factor. I mean, it is definitely a shorthand for what you mean, right? Priority right. management People don't know what you're talking about. When you say time management, people know what you're talking about. But is there value perhaps in just shifting the the nomenclature to reflect what it is we're actually doing, which is prioritization? So I'm of two minds. One mm-hmm. is, you know, one is call what you want. You can call it Bob. You know, <laughs> it's if, the if, same if, thing. You'll do it better. A rose by any other name. Right. But in terms of drawing people's attention to the issue and, and, and frankly, you know, the opportunity to, you know, be more effective, be more efficient, be sufficiently rewarded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Put, putting a new name on it, you know, certainly would, or not a new name, but, you know, a less familiar name um, probably adds a pause to the thought pattern. Right. It says, hmm, that's interesting. Tell it doesn't direct the people who want to be efficient with their time to the, your idea. Right, right. So, so that's so. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's value to it, um, but like anything else, the, the greatest value comes, you know, from from execution. Right? Absolutely. So, this is something I talk about when I talk about productivity. I hate the word productivity because I don't believe that humans were created to be productive, um, created or you know, big banged, accidented into existence. We certainly weren't accidented into existence to be productive. Um, and yet I still use the word productivity because that's what people look for. They look for productivity when they want to get the correct things done. I'd like to lead you into the, 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 the sort of crux of this discussion, which is, you know, astrophysics aside... <laughs> What the hell are we supposed to do if time management is a fallacy? Sure. Um, I think that, you know, from the department of what we should do, um, there's there's probably like two big chunks. Yeah. It's, you know, your one's own mental state or approach Mm -hmm. to, you know, to that framework of prioritizing, you know, you know how, what you're going to do, you know, at a given, you know, over some given period of time, and then, um, you know, it might be fun to kick around a couple of the tools, or uh, you know, yeah, not, you know, I've I, I've got a, I've got a couple of techniques that I use. I've, I've certainly tried, you know, <laughs> several that all failed miserably for <laughs> me, uh, for any number of reasons. But I think you know that concept of you know how do you establish your focus or your framework. For understanding, mm-hmm. um, you know what's important and, and how to prioritize is, is uh, you know, you know, a, a critical portion of this. So, so one thing is, and so I'm showing my age here. I'm a big fan of Stephen Covey, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Managers, and all that other stuff. Um, you know, I don't know what all seven habits are. I know one's got to do with sharpening something, another one's got something to do with rocks. 
Um, but, you know, in the preface to this, and, and this is, you know, there's a certain age and patina to this, you know, <laughs> to this book and stuff like that. Um, but he talks about principle-centered leadership. Yeah, right? which has aged well as a concept, by the way. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and so, you know, I don't know if I've aged well, but I think my <laughs> You know, you know, has done so. And really, um, you know, so this whole concept of, you know, where, where are your relationships? And, and even though I know none of this sounds like time management or priority management right now, it really helps, you know, say, where are you in the mindset for making those decisions about what you're going to do or what you're going to do next? So this concept, so Covey's principle-centered leadership really talks about, um, relationships and responsibilities. It says, listen, you can think about stuff in terms of either, you know, some combination of relationships and responsibilities. So what Covey proposed, and, and I think, you know, remains very strong today, is that there are four essential principles to, to keep in mind. So the first is personal, you know, what is your relationship with yourself? Okay, you know, and, and think about that. And you know, um, and and this could you know you could think of this as you know, well, what am I doing for my mental toughness? What am I doing for my you know, physical health? What am I doing for my psychological well-being? Um, but all those things that saying, what am I doing to make sure that I'm? If you pardon the trite sounding phrase to be the best of me I can be right so but thinking about that that relationship itself um, having that in your mind um, the next you know thing and these aren't necessarily in any order other than in which he presented them um, you know after, after the personal that relationship itself the next one is interpersonal so what's your relationship with others so these are those who you are connected with and so here is you know your family is part of those you know inner um you know interpersonal relationships your clients your prospective clients um that person ahead of you who didn't take the left turn at the at the green arrow um there is a, there is a relationship there maybe not the strongest one or one you know or whatever um but understanding you know not just only what's important for your own health but what's important for the health and well-being if you will of others um, is, is that second principle to hold in mind. Um, then we start getting down into the nitty gritty, that, that managerial um, responsibility to get a job done, right? So you've made a commitment to yourself, to others that say, you know, I will expend, you know, some resources, my, my brain power, my time, you know, my, my, my dollars or whatever to help satisfy a need or help you achieve a goal or, or whatever it is. So that's also has to be held in your mind as, you know, one of as, as being principle centered leadership. So the last one after that personal and interpersonal and managerial stuff is of course organizational. Okay. So this really kind of speaks to if you are in a formal or an informal organization, um, what's your responsibility um, to support their efforts to help get that job done. So here's all these things that you have to bake into how do I prioritize what's next or what's on Tuesday or what's going to be in 2024. Yeah. That, yeah. In in the Emerald office, we talk about this as the orders of magnitude in your life. So we talk yeah. about self, family, community, world. And that is primarily because these are these are the ways that we move. These are the relationships, right? We have our relationship with ourselves, like you said, family, um, and you could you could also put sort of team on the level of family as two sort of lanes of the same order of magnitude, mm -hmm. and then those community, which is organizational or more sort of civically your community, and then your place in the world as well. So. That is how we talk about it in, in sort of the Emerald Office paradigm. But it's this very analogous way of looking at, again, those different frames of reference, those different orcs of magnitude. Right, right. Absolutely. So 
so so yes and um we can take that you know be it the you know those levels of magnitude or the principles or whatever set of guidance you use to build a framework um and you know th there's actually you know a couple frameworks out there that i you know i'd like to suggest you know looking at you know to, and really they both really help with prioritization and so like there's a gazillion of them um but i've got two that are absolutely my go-to's so the first one is going back to stephen covey is the first things first portfolio and i, I talked about you know rocks and stuff like that this is where he says take care of the big rocks first um so um how this lays out and and I would imagine that anybody who's chosen to listen or read to this is probably pretty familiar with this. Um, but I won't apologize because it's very important. You should think about it again if you haven't recently. So Covey's quad chart about first things first says, um, so there's two axes to this, this box of box of four boxes, right? So the horizontal axis is degree of urgency and the vertical axis is the degree of perceived importance. Right? So for anybody out there who is following along um, with the Emerald Office blog, this is something I've referred to before as the Eisenhower decision-making matrix. It's yes. a similar four-square importance versus urgency. Uh, full disclosure, Mark, I've made my own version that has six boxes, but we won't, we won't, uh, we won't attempt to come up head to head with the Stephen Coveys and Eisenhowers of the world because they've been doing this forever. Carry on. I get it. I, I, my, my brain can only handle two by two matrices. <laughs> you, know, you know, you and your gang do two by three. That's great. My amplifier goes to eleven. <laughs> so enjoy that reference. Look it up if you don't know it. Um, anyways, um, so yeah, um, and yours is probably fifty percent better because it's got you know. You know, half again as many boxes. So, so Covey's things. So the you know urgency. It's basically urgency versus importance. Just like make stuff fit into all of those. So in the top left are things that are important and urgent. That's like putting the fire out. Yeah, yes, we will put a do. link uh, to a visual representation yeah. of this because Perfect. that is so much so helpful in a in yeah, a visual yeah, matrix like this. Yeah, I'm draw, I'm drawing it here with my hands, but it's you know really ineffective for this this medium. So top right, you know, what, what's important or what's urgent, but not necessarily, excuse me, what's important, but not all that urgent. This is building fireproof buildings, right? And it's like, you still got to fight fires, but, you know, if we could find the time and devote the effort to say, how do we make buildings less likely to burn, um, then we spend less time doing that firefighting, you know, protecting more lives and you know, wealth and stuff like that. And then, you know, in the bottom, you know, like in the bottom right, so it's not important, not urgent, that's free cell, you know, just play that at your own peril. And solitaire or, or Wordle, I guess Wordle is, is the quad four du jour. I don't spend any time there. Then quad three are the stuff that's um, urgent, but not important. And for me, that's pretty much anything that shows up in email. Because that's somebody else's importance or somebody else's urgency. Urgent, uh, yeah. Email, urgent but not important being email. Right. That right. is the key takeaway here today because too many people are looking at their inbox and thinking that is important when it is urgent, not important. Right. So, so quick sidebar on that. If you're the kind of person who says, I really need to hit inbox zero at the end of the day or the end of the week, and you find yourself spending a lot of cycles doing that instead of working on making fireproof buildings or putting actually putting out fires. Here's a, here's a little hint for those. Um, uh, control A to select all, delete to delete all. If it's truly important, truly urgent, it'll show up again, but it probably won't. So. I have said this to uh, clients over and over again. If you cannot get your inbox cleaned out, and now maybe you don't delete them. Maybe you just archive them. But get them out of your inbox if they are old. If they have not shown up, if they have not been followed up on, then it, it's not worth it. Exactly. For those of you who are too scared to delete or even archive, I also highly recommend, uh, I have my assistant do this for me. Go in and piece by piece 
get rid of all the crap and leave me just what is actionable. That's fair. So, and that kind of leads me. Um, oh, well, I actually, I had mentioned that there's one other quad chart or one other, you know, framework that I suggest for prioritization. And so maybe we'll, we'll throw a link into this. It's Boston Consulting Group's Stars, Cash Cows, Cushion Marks, and Stop Signs. And that's um, a slightly different decision-making tool, but I think it just fits right along with this. And the axes on this are... Whoa, wait, run through the list again. Stars. Stars, cash cows, question marks, and stop signs. Okay. You're going to break those down for me, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great. So again, you know, so the two axes on this are... Um, it doesn't really matter too much how you draw them, but... Uh, uh, there's different ways of doing it, but I would say, you know, for us, like for, you know, in the business world is um, the, the, the two axes are uh, mission alignment and uh, fiscal responsibility. So, and, 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 and this, I think this is important for guiding priorities. So if something, if, if a choice before you, like, you know, take on this new work or continue, you know, sustain this project or, or whatever, you're looking and evaluating, you, you have this basket of things you're trying to arrange. Um, the ones that are highly aligned with your mission or with your purpose, I like that a little bit better, ones that are highly aligned with mission or purpose and the ones that are uh, fiscally beneficial to you, those are your stars. You know, don't touch those. Don't fix. You know, don't fix those. They they, they ain't broke yet, right? Um, if there are so things, stars are not action items. They're things that are already going well. Right. That's actually that's actually foundational material. Right. That's really great because so often we overlook what needs to just be not interfered with. Like just right. just right. don't mess with that. Right. So so at uh, Professional Development Consortium of Hampton Roads, pchr.org, it'll be in a link somewhere. Um, you know, at, when I run that, um, I think, you know, every now and then I say, should we change our schedule? Should we change our frequency of the educational events you know, we provide? And I look at, you know, our analytics and statistics and I say, you know something, hey, bro, I ain't going to fix it. So first quarter's Wednesday Second Wednesday of the month at noon, we're doing something. Uh, or first and third quarters. Second and fourth quarters, we do it at 6 p.m. That's our schedule. It's the same kind of thing. We do roundtable, workshop, workshop, roundtable, workshop, workshop, so on and so forth. Is it perfect? Don't know. Does it work pretty well? Yup. Done. Moving on. What else? You know, you know, it, it's not necessarily a high priority. Um, you know, to you know to rethink that. Um, but it's also a high priority not to break it. Uh, so there are also things that you might be might be doing, might be contemplating that are fiscally beneficial, but not aligned with your mission. So those those are your cash cows. Um, you know, you may or may not choose to keep them, but if they are fiscally beneficial, what they allow you to do is chase the question marks. So which ones are the question marks? Well, the question marks are, this is absolutely part of my mission, and I'm absolutely going to lose my shirt You know, if I do this. It's going to consume way more resources than I think that particular effort might return. But that's okay. That's what the cash cows are for. They subsidize the things that you know help you on mission. Um, you know, again, so just think about all of this you know, as you know, kind of a different framework, if you will, figuring out where you should be working. Um, you know, should we be working on the cash cows so we can do some more of these mission focused things th that are expensive? Um, you know, so on and so forth. And finally, the last one, the stop signs is like, ha, huh, this is not aligned with mission and we're going broke. Okay. The nice thing is that's kind of like that quad four stuff in Covey's. It's like, there's no, just, you know, your analysis, your analysis phase is now complete. Stop doing those, right? Going broke, right. These going, are not interesting at all. Why would you do something that didn't make money and didn't fulfill your mission? Right. I like this. Um, right, right. So Boston Consulting Group, um, you know, there, there's various versions, but they all kind of resolve to yeah. the two by two chart and go ahead, turn it into a two by three if you must. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great because I wouldn't view this as, you know, the Eisenhower decision making or the Covey um, is about to do's, right? 
the this one you're talking about, the bossing consulting, is less about what do I need to do right now and more about big picture, what are my projects? What are my big picture goals and objectives right. as opposed to what am I supposed to be doing at two o'clock on a Tuesday? So I think that you, like you were saying, both of these side by side is really helpful. I also want to point out to those of you listening who are newer in business or have newly pivoted or in any kind of critical moment, any of those, you know, up-leveling, upscaling moments in your business, you should be basically only focusing on stars, right? That's not the time for cash cows or question marks normally. It is really, truly money and alignment. Once you have a lot of really, really solid stars, then you can start to break out, branch out into we need to make more money or we need to do more question mark things that are maybe not necessarily lucrative. But at the very beginning, you want to be solidifying those money that that intersection of income and impact yeah absolutely and I, you know and it's a great point about you know these these are not either ors it's not pick this one framework or pick the other one i think side by side is a perfect way of looking at this because what it's really i think what it's going to really tell you is that 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 bcg matrix the stars and cows and whatnot um really tells you what should land up in eisenhower or covey's quad two the stuff that is important but not urgent. It's like, here's the big things in the portfolio that really are going to propel us, you know, into the future. You know, the, generally speaking, the, that, that quad one stuff doesn't need any definition. That, it's highly, or, you know, highly important. You, you know it, right? You know, so you got to deal with it. But I think, you know, you know, when we're talking about this, that the Boston Consulting Group matrix really tells you what's the, you know, how should we prioritize the stuff in that, not important, not, how should we prioritize stuff that is important, but not urgent? Yeah, that is a great. By the way, for your listeners, I am now drawing things with my pen in the air. Yes, perfect, perfect. Even less useful. Maybe you weren't meant for podcast. We'll we'll do video next time. Sounds great. I'm just assuming. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this has been fantastic. I really think that we have both covered sort of the, the, amorphous kind of BS nature of time and the what the heck do I do at two o'clock on a Tuesday of how do we use our time wisely, whether or not we actually have control over time, whether we can actually manage it, we have something we can sink our teeth to into to get things done. So I'm going to leave you with the the question that I ask everybody, which is how do you stay focused in your business? Ah, um. Well, right now I'm glad there's not a camera on because if you scanned my desk, it would not appear to have a lot of focus. Um, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's, that's just a landing zone. So what I probably the you know the things that I do that are you know I think that genuinely help with focus. Um, I mean, just kind of focus on the calendar. Let me let me talk about how I manage the calendar. So I have a um, absolutely um, rigid, built-in-stone um, approach to my calendar. And by rigid and built-in-stone, I mean, yeah, this this is kind of my goal, but, you know, it, it, maybe it will, maybe it won't happen that way. But my ideal <laughs> uh, way of working through the week, um, I actually have my preferences for Monday through uh, Monday through Friday. So, so for me, Mondays are all about myself. You know, we talk about that relationship with self. You know, I kind of focus on that. Um, preparation for the rest of the week, you know, kind of gathering things, you know, together, you know, be it resources or who do I want to talk to or what am I going to read. So it's kind of self-centered. It's really hard for um, other people to see me on Monday, um, as it were. So Tuesdays then, is really about quad two, the um, important but not urgent work. All right, so that is, um, again, it's kind of a retreat day, if you will, Um, but instead of busy work and working around with email and and stuff like that, it says, you know, I'm going to sit down here, really spend some time reading the relevant book. I will not spend a lot of time on a computer because it's a horrible place to create, 
Um, you know, find me in the dining room with sheets of paper, you know, you know, mapping out, you know, my next attempt for PDCHR to take over the world or whatever. Oh yeah. I will always be a legal pad paper kind of girl. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got stacks of, uh, for me, it's always been about steno, uh, notebooks, the five by nine stuff. I would stack of them behind me. Um, there's a, there's like a half hour talk about that, that I will not get into, but if, if I ever have to create a presidential library, that'll probably be you know, well featured there. So yeah, so Tuesday is mostly about you know doing that quad to the important but not urgent work, and you know maybe think a little bit about the day ahead because we should. Wednesday is my day devoted to others, so meetings. Um, you know, it, it kind of revolves around the fact that we, as I mentioned before earlier, that the. The, uh, my nonprofit's educational sessions are on Wednesdays because, you know, that, that that may have driven what Wednesday is or may have been driven by what Wednesday is. But uh, just like as we're doing our recording now on a Wednesday, you know, that that is perfect for me. This this fits with my Wednesday psyche is, you know, you know, you know, spending spending time with others. Um, uh, Thursdays, uh, back to quad two stuff. Um, you know, and I also, you know, so like personal care. Um, so, I, you know, doctor's appointments, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, for the aging members of your crowd, this will become more and more of your calendar as you go along. Um, but, you know, for me, I, if I have any say in the matter, um, medical appointments are on Thursdays, as an example. It's a self-care day. Um, in those days where I worked out with a trainer, you know, Thursday was one of those days um, type thing. So, so, and, and that's, and that's all, you know, quad two work. And then Friday, um, it's dealer's choice. Yeah. Usually 52 pickup. So this might be the, okay, I'm feeling guilty. I have not deleted my entire inbox recently. I'll, I'll go and do that. Um, or it's, you know, you know, the ideal Friday is, ha, there is one podcast or one, you know, Thing Facebook Live or something that I was planning on seeing that, ha- that just happened to show up on Fridays. So, so it quite frequently happens. That's the only thing on my calendar, and then I blow it off and you know go out and you know my wife and I have lunch instead. So, um, so that's kind of how I you know block out stuff. And you notice I only talked about Quad One and Quad Two. You know I don't block out any time for dealing with emails. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't admit to any of that, you know, you know, free sell. I do not play Wordle. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm nerdly proud to say. Um, so. Yeah, I tried it once and I can't get into it. So I'm not yeah. going to try that hard. I tried anyway. because someone said it. I had to in order to be part of current culture. And I've decided that I don't care. Yeah, I'm still thinking about Farmville. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so that's how I block out the calendar. That is a very intense form of calendar blocking. And that's something we've talked about here in the Emerald office. It really helps to have a theme to know if it's Tuesday, I'm doing big picture work. Right. And, and then the, the, the other couple of things that I've got that just kind of run alongside with that is, um, using the calendar just, just, I really, you know, I only said, I shouldn't say, um, just a calendar, but alerts. So, you know, all those things that keep flashing up in the top right corner of your screen or wherever or on your home screen of your, you know, of your smartphone or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, those are all turned off except for people, you know, or, 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 you know, truly like, you know, life critical or reputation critical, maybe, um, you know, notifications. Other than that, I don't get alerted about anything. I do have, um, I do use Slack only for notifications. So I work in a, because I'm kind of a one-man band, there's a lot of automation. You know, when things fail and when things go well, I actually divert all of those to Slack. So that is the one place that if it lights up, I says, there's probably something here that I should look at. Um, because So that is a cool tech hack. You have a Slack channel with just yourself. Oh, yeah. That all of your softwares, because we've all got a thousand softwares now, it's sort of a change log for all of your life. Um, sure. Not a change log precisely, but right. a, a universal it's, notification box. It, it is. For, for the things that I truly have to 
respond to, and yeah. they are usually tied to a commitment to another. So if, if a piece of software fails, um, you know, or you know, one you know, one of the things I've created in the background fails, that may mean that you know someone didn't get you know acknowledged or get the data they received or some, some, mm-hmm. something else failed that I actually do want to look at. Right. There's you know, a person and, 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 somewhere that is being lost. Yeah. Right, right, right. So if nothing else, it's it's kind of like my emergency room. So I do triage yeah. there. And if it's something's like, oh, crap, I need to deal with this, then I go deal with it, quad one. If it isn't, if it isn't, then I say, all right, where am I going to put this on the calendar? And that's yeah. the two places, you know, you know. I like that. Go. Having only a few places is a great way to stay right. focused. Yeah, yeah, because the default, like you know, any system you've got that generates error messages, they will tend toward email notifications. But then you have to wade through all the other crap that came in the day, you know, to see mm-hmm. if there's it. So, so I was just like, here's here's my alarm button. I don't know what the yeah. alarm is, but I know something's pressing it, and that's good enough. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. This yeah. has been a joy. We we went on some lovely nerd tangents that I very much enjoyed. We Thank went from you. birth of the universe to a red, the little red dot on Slack. So yeah. basically that's it, right? That's the whole order. Like all at orders of magnitude fit in there. There you go. <laughs> so no, this has been a pleasure. Um, yeah. I certainly hope that this is of, uh, you know, value to the gentle listener and gentle reader. Um, you know, and happy, you know, to chat more with you about it, or if you want to throw somebody my way, um, you know, and then I'll throw them right back to you for business purposes. Um, yeah, that's, that's all very cool. Um, I, I just love going on about this stuff. We talk about these kinds of things along with so much else at the Professional Development Consortium of Hampton Roads because those are folks who are volunteering to be community leaders, really resource crunched. Too many decisions and, you know, not enough resources. So, you know, this topic comes up, you know, every now and then. Say, yeah, how do you pick your way through this? Um, You know, when when we approach our discussion today from a business sense, we're talking about, you know, the, you know, 40-hour plus or minus, whatever it is, work week. But the folks that PDCHR serves, they've got like maybe about four to six hours a month they can devote to doing some pretty special stuff. So this is just like one of the many topics um, we cover you know, to help them on their leadership journey. Um, and if I hadn't mentioned it before, our link uh, to our website is pdchr.org. And that'll and, be down below. <laughs> all right, perfect. And uh, the, the other one is if you don't want to read through all the drivel that, you know, on, our, on our, our website, and you just want to get right to the events, that's events.pdchr.org. Nice, simple, sweet, to the point. Thank you so much, Mark. You're so very welcome. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out The Emerald Office, where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both The Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to especially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.